Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us individually bring a fic to pick. And at the time of recording this, we are one day past Valentine's Day um, and a little bit past when this episode was initially going to go up. But we (laughs) decided to stick with our original theme, which is um, all gen fics. We did this, I want to say, two years ago for an episode that dropped around Valentine's Day. And we've done plenty of genfics in the past, but we haven't had like a dedicated genfic only episode since. Um, you might remember such bangers as uh, the Snowpiercer fic that we just talked about for the second time <laughs> recently. Um, so fingers crossed we also have three bangers again this time. So Nick, what is your fic for this episode? My fic for this episode is called In for a Penny by Jedi Buttercup. Sued Jedi Buttercup. It can be two words or one. They're both correct. Uh, This is a fic for the movie Knives Out, which came out in 2019, and the relationship here is a friendship, well, that's not true. The relationship (laughs) here has an ampersand because it is definitively not romantic, but it is not particularly amicable either. It is Ransom and Harlan, and it's kind of compliant from the movie. Very excited to talk about it. Brenna, what are you bringing today? Yes, my fic is called Anomaly Counter by Yo Pumpkinhead. Uh, this is a fic for the book series The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Um, this doesn't even really have a relationship tag. It's just tagged for our two main characters who are Murderbot and Art. Um, but it, like, it definitely centers their friendship. Um, and I'm very excited to talk about it because I love these characters and I love this world and I love this fic. Reed, what's yours? My fic is Plum by Unfavored Idol. It is for the fandom Luna, which is a K-pop girl group. Um, mine also does not have a relationship tag, and unlike Brenna's, doesn't even really have a friendship to center. Um, it's tagged for a few different members of Luna, but it is primarily about Olivia Hye or Heiju. Um Yeah. So, fellow jocks. Yeah. 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 Did Brenna you know and I do Reed live. Is- <laughs> <laughs> no, you go ahead, Bren. Um, Nick, did you know that Reed and I have decided that we live in a jocks-only household? I know this news is going to upset you, and you are going to push back against it, but we watch so many sports. Like, I need you to understand this. Mm -hmm. But watching sports doesn't make you a jock. It makes you a sports fan. Like, these are different things. Mm. (laughs) (sighs) Like, looking at games makes you a gamer. (laughs) I play games. And that's what makes me a gamer. Mm, mm-hmm. I play games with people's hearts. Oh my wow. god. All right. Well, good episode, everyone. See you in a couple months when I recover from that one. So the Olympics are happening right now. What if we assigned the characters in our fix to different Olympic events? I would love to do that. Okay, go ahead then. Okay. Um, should we start with your fix, Nick? Because we're going to discuss it first. Yeah, we should do mine first for sure. Okay. Okay, so the main characters in my fic are Ransom and Harlan, and they are related. And one 
Okay, I admit, Ficklets, I have not watched one minute of the Olympics this year. I just haven't had it in me, um, time-wise, mostly. Um, I'm doing other things. And as a result, I can only speak of what I know. And what I know is luge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, are you a real luge expert? Well, yeah. Did you not Mm -hmm. know this about me? It's like Um, one of my number one, like top five interests. Oh, wow. (laughs) Over the course of my entire life. That's really fascinating. How many times have you luged yourself? (laughs) None. (laughs) Oh. Zero. Yeah. That's kind of sad. No, it's okay. It's, I just don't think I'd be that good at it. Well, but if it's one of your top five interests, don't you kind of at least want to try? Well, yeah, I yearn. Oh, okay. Okay, you yearn to luge. Yeah, I just don't. Right, 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 of course. Like, when when am I going to do that? Okay. Anyway, uh, Ransom and Harlan strike me as, like, the quintessential duo for the event new as of Sochi 2014, Luge Team Relay. Mm Mm-hmm. So as you probably know, the way that Luge Team Relay works is it's two laps, and there's two people. And let me just give like a visual example of what's happening here for my co-hosts, because I know that they appreciate okay. when things are visual. Ficklets, you're going to have to just listen. Um, <laughs> hold on, I prepared something for this. Oh my god. It's not. Wow. No, it's really small. I'm ready. Okay, so let's imagine that instead of... Um, Harlan and Ransom, it's Stray Kids Felix and Seventeen Vernon doing okay. the luge yes. relay, because that's what, who I have pictures of uh, available to me right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're riding on the luge sled, which is pretty small. So imagine Felix is at first. He finishes his event, right? He finishes his lap. And as he's coming into the finish line, you know, the sled is moving really fast. So what he'll do as the sled is coming back into the finish slash start, because it's like a lap, right, is he will roll off of the sled and then from above Vernon will drop down <laughs> and continue so just okay, imagine I was gonna make a joke right. about like wanting someone to like duck and roll off and I was like surely that's not the way this event works well I also don't trust what Nick just told no, us no not in the slightest but I love that this is the explanation that's being given yeah. was the one that I wanted I it to be I would love to watch this sport I don't know if I can. You when easily you could. Vernon like drops from above, like Spider Man set. Like he just Where? appears. Like there's like a pod, waiting? and then the bottom a opens. <laughs> yeah, like a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely how this sport works. Uh huh. I know the most about Luge Team Relay out of the three of us. So, <laughs> sure, I do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just imagine that uh, Ransom and Harlan would be doing that. Okay, who goes first? Um, probably. Ransom. I think you'd have an easier time rolling off. Harlan can just like, <laughs> drop. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Thank you. Oh, boy. All right, Bren, what do you have for Harlan and Ransom? Yeah, so I, I did assign them together to an event, um, but they do compete individually in this, and I have assigned them to Men's Super G. Um, okay. That? Otherwise known as Giant Slalom, <gasps> the alpine ski event oh my god um because i think this is one of the most kind of daredevil sports at the olympics and i think that they're both characters who would like the kind of on the edge of death thrill of it you might be thinking to yourself brenna what about the sports where like people throw themselves through the air on like skis and snowboards 
Those are cool. Um, every time someone fell, they really seemed okay. Uh, someone had to be taken off the downhill slope, like on a stretcher. Um, that was in the women's race. And I'm not actually sure it was Super G. It might have been in one of the other events. But anyway, people are going down this slope at like 80 miles per hour. It's basically an ice sheet. It's absolutely terrifying. I do think it's the scariest one out there. And I think it like fits these characters and they're sort of like looking for adventures on the edge kind of (laughs) vibe that this fic provides. Um, Just kind of launching yourself down in that manner. Uh, I think really fits, especially Ransom. But I really think Harlan would go for it, too. I think he'd be that guy you see out there where everyone's like, and he's back again for his fifth Olympics at the <laughs> age of 42 <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, so that was my reasoning. Ficklets, uh, just remember Brenna's description of Giant Solemn Super G. Just keep that in your brain. Oh, That's okay. going to come up again later for me. Different okay. characters, though. Um, I assigned all of the characters on our list um different events so the first one harlan was so easy for me um harlan is biathlon and here's the reason why rifle shooting seems to fit the most in the vein of like things that like rich old white people would do Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. tell me harlan wouldn't go cross-country skiing in like the vast estate behind his house and then shoot something he would (laughs) no you're a thousand percent correct wow yeah that's the vibe i didn't know Um, that was a sport it is. So that's what I assigned for Harlan. And then for Ransom, I will admit, I might have, this might just be more Chris Evans, but I I gave him big air because I was like, he just kind of gives off like snowboarding bro energy. And again, I might just be conflating this with Chris Evans, but like, you know, I think Ransom's got like a bro-y energy. Um, and he doesn't meddle because I say so. I know that the Ransom of this fic was like, the author was trying really hard to give him a redemption arc, and that's great for that author, but um, Ransom does not deserve an Olympic medal, so I just yeah. needed to put that out there. No, Ransom doesn't medal in Super G either. Ransom Harlan and Harlan also doesn't because Team Relay Luge. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just need to clarify, I'm so sorry, Ficklets. Um, Super G is actually super giant slalom. There's There's giant slalom, and then there's... Super giant slalom. Anyway, there's too many alpine downhill events, so... Um... <laughs> Okay. Um, Neat. Brenna, should you want to tell us about Murderbot? Yeah. So in Murderbot, we have sort of two central characters in this fic. Murderbot, who is um, kind of a construct cyborg. Um, It's got like clone genetic human material and then also like some tech bits. And then we've got Art, who is a sentient spaceship. Um, I have assigned them to two different sports. Uh, for art, I did give it big air because Mm. it can fly and therefore I thought Uh. it could get really big air. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't really think art could actually fit into like any of the stadiums that they compete at for the Olympics. It is a giant spaceship, but Mm. you know, in the spirit of this, um, for Murderbot, I've given it Skeleton, the one where you kind of just throw yourself headfirst down the, uh, ice path on a little tiny sled. What? This, this, sounds, <laughs> this also sounds fake. No, this one's it's real. It, this one's really real. Oh, no. I was too busy playing sports to watch the Olympics in it's, my day. It's in, the, it's in the same vein as like bobsled and luge and stuff. Like they're going down a very similar track, um, but they just sort of throw themselves, like they run and then they throw themselves head first and they have like this little 
like board that you put under yourself. Um, I think Murderbot would do really well in this because it's pretty indestructible and also doesn't really have a high like fear threshold. Um, it will kind of just go for anything. I think it would do really well in this sport that seems absolutely terrifying. And again, you've got like nothing to protect your body in this. And I think Murderbot would excel at that because its body can really just kind of be repaired. Okay, see, this is fascinating because for me, um, once again, remember that description of Giant Slalom and how it's like fast and scary and dangerous and people were getting really injured. That's what I gave Murderbot specifically because I was like, I would be so much less afraid of watching Murderbot if they Mm. happen to fall because like they can be repaired easier, et cetera, et cetera. Like I was like, oh, I would enjoy watching Murderbot do Giant Slalom because I would not spend the whole time in like deep, deep fear for its well-being in the same way I was for the athletes that we were watching. Mm. And then I actually gave Art Skeleton and here's why. My first thought for art is I was like, I want to pick something where art can use its like really advanced like math brain to like plan out Mm. the precise path of how to be like the most effective. And then I realized that's literally every sport. Like any single sport could be gamified that way in which like art could just like sort of mentally figure out whatever it needs to do to get the most mathematically precise and correct um, result. But then I was like, I don't don't think too hard about the logistics of it but the idea of like a spaceship hurtling down an ice track was very funny to me it's fun yeah um so yeah so art gets to be a skeleton for me nice yeah mine's really easy Murderbot and art uh compete in doubles luge as a team so it's yeah. art on the bottom as the spaceship and Murderbot <laughs> on top lying down mm-hmm. and they compete Incredible. in the course and the two of them win together thank you yeah, I have no issue with that. It's that, it's that easy. Okay, I think that brings it to my fic. Um, I only picked a sport for Heiju. There are technically some other characters who make appearances, but this fic is really just about Heiju, um, who in the fic um, has spent most of her life sort of in this fancy mansion house performing, as in like dancing, for an evaluator. And so you might think like dance would lead to figure skating. It's too obvious. That's too obvious of a connection. Um, I gave Heiju women's hockey. Uh, firstly, nice. and most importantly, because I like watching women's hockey. And okay. I liked this fic. So I thought that was fun. <laughs> um, I made more notes for this than I made for my actual fic. Uh, and in this little Heiju section, I started mapping out all of the things you could apply from the fic to a hockey team. Oh um, my god. I googled. Luna has 12 members, I think. That's right. Um, and that's You could have a whole line of forwards or you could have like half of an active roster of a hockey team. There's so many girls there and that's fun. And then there's like Sue Young in the fic. Maybe there's like some history there. Maybe there's like a bitter trade or something. Mm. Like I just feel like the dynamics of the fic actually map pretty well to a hockey AU. Like the evaluator, definitely like a coach that everyone hates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Yeah, this is my pitch. Heiju, women's hockey. I'm not mad. Yeah, so... All of you might um, have seen this coming, potentially, but I have Hyeju as competing in women's single luge. Wow. She rides on a sled real fast. (laughs) Do you think Hyeju would medal? No. Oh, that's so sad. Well, the whole fic, she's like, should I stay? Should I go? I don't want to leave. Everyone abandons me. It's because they're faster than her on the mm. luge. <laughs> yeah. So The actual right. the other members of Luna who abandoned her at the beginning of the fic, they're actually they're just, just losing faster. away from her. Yeah, exactly. No, that really <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 
Um, I assigned a sport to Heiju and also like kind of the other members that we see because I think we see about like four-ish other mm. members. I didn't count exactly, but it's definitely not all 12 members of Luna that are in this fic. I've assigned them to be a curling team. <laughs> Ooh. I love I that. wanted a team sport dynamic. Um, and there's not that many to choose from in Winter Olympics. A lot of things are individual or like when they're teams, they're still kind of people competing individually, but then like their points get tallied up or whatever, you know, it's not really like soccer or like softball or something, you know, so hockey, women's hockey. So I really only had a couple options and curling really stood out to me because I think it's teams of like four or five people. Mm. Um, And that was really kind of my only reason. Also, I thought it would be funny to see them do it. Uh, (laughs) That's a good reason. (laughs) Um, I think they would be like a surprise bronze medalist. I think no one sees them coming. um, And they still don't get gold, but like they do way better than anyone thought coming into the Olympics. Good for them. Because like. I feel like they, in their first few games, they really, or matches, I'm not sure what it's called for curling, um, they, like, really struggle with, like, team cohesion and, like, communication. Um, mm-hmm. But by the, the end, they against each other. Yeah, by the <laughs> end, they've, <laughs> they've really meshed and are able to pull out the wins needed to get them, get them that bronze. So. Love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I have a little bonus as well to oh. our intro. So for some of the events, I think mainly the snowboarding ones, I don't really know, but we have seen people with like headphones in, like they're, they're listening to music as they do their mm. little event. And Brett and I were like, oh, like I wish they would tell us like what the athletes are listening to. That'd be so fun. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, even though most of the sports, maybe all of the sports that I assigned these people, I do not think they would be wearing headphones. I decided like I wanted to assign music. Like what is the one track they're listening to as wow. they do their event? Okay. Um, I wanted to spend as little time on this as possible. I wanted to just like what came from the heart <laughs> immediately. Okay. Um, and the most obvious is that Ransom is listening to Bitch Better Have My Money, right? Like we just know this. Yep. And so from there, my brain went, well, art can be listening to Shut Up and Drive. <laughs> and okay. now you might be seeing a theme. I did not set out to give them all Rihanna songs, but once I had started, it just had to it just had to keep going. Um so Murderbot gets the song Needed Me, um oh. specifically for the lines that say, um, didn't they tell you that I was a savage? Fuck your white horse in a carriage. I just feel like that's really Murderbot. I feel like Murderbot mm. would enjoy listening to that as it competes. Um Heiju gets Disturbia because the oh, more I thought about absolutely. the song, the more the lyrics actually fit perfectly to the fit. Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, like total, yes. Yeah. And then I know I said I wanted to like spend as little time thinking about this as possible, but I got really stuck on Harlan. Um, and nothing, no immediate inspiration was coming to mind. And so I'm deciding between two. Um, and they are Ponde Replay and Umbrella. And it's because Ponde replays an absolute bop and Umbrella because I think it is objectively the funniest combination of people, sports, song, etc. I could think of. So um, thank you for listening to my bonus content. Oh my I god. I am obsessed with your bonus content. Um, I don't even know what to say. As you were saying it, I was I was cu- trying to come up with some options mm. of my own. But I don't think they're as good um, because what can beat Harlan listening to umbrella yeah i was just gonna have him listening to like classical music and i was gonna have ransom listening to like eminem yawn it's not the same it's not the same no 
well, Ficklets, if you have uh, songs that you want to assign to our characters in their events, please let us know. Every two years, and every four for winter, the Olympics stages a series of elite competitions between the world's top athletes. Uh, in this next fic, Harlan sets up a really not-so-elite competition amongst his family members that really just leads to disappointment amongst everyone. My fic for this episode is called In for a Penny by Jedi Buttercup. It's for the movie Knives Out. It's about Ransom and Harlan, and the other characters in the movie do show up as well. The third character tagged for this fic is Marta, um, who we love. She's good, and I like her. Um, This is a movie I have seen, so I hope everyone's really excited about that. I'm going to talk about how I've seen the movie. This is a very, very kind of narrow divergence from canon so having seen the movie helps um if you haven't seen it and you want to read this you probably could you might not know what's going on for some bits of it um but we'll try and lay down some kind of a skeleton here for you um this movie basically centers around an inheritance and what a family and like associated members of the family community at large are thinking and feeling about uh, the money that may or may not be going to them. Uh, Yeah, it's very like a family drama, also kind of a murder mystery in the movie. Spoilers, very early on, Harlan dies. And the movie spends a good amount of time figuring out what happened, who did it, why they did it, uh, what the motivations were, uh, while also looking at the interplay of family drama. So this fic asks the question, what if Harlan did not die? (laughs) What if the plan goes awry and Harlan figures out what happens before he is killed and ends up playing along. It's a very like attending your own funeral kind of vibe where he gets to watch what happens to his family after they assume that he's dead. Um, it's It deals with the same kind of themes as the movie. Um, I would say it's significantly lighter-hearted in many aspects. Um, it is a fairly lighthearted fic, um, so the main content warnings really would be just around what I've already said, like staging death and, um, I don't know, tampering with medicine. Uh, but it tends to take things pretty lighthearted, and it has a fairly cheerful ending. So it's also about 3,000 words long, so it doesn't go super in-depth into things. But yeah, that is the kind of overview of this fic. It was written for Yuletide of this last year, because when in doubt, that's where I tend to go to find fics. Thanks, Yuletide authors. Appreciate you. Um, Yeah, and the reason I wanted to bring it, I had a few reasons, but primarily I just thought it was a really, really fun examination of a what-if question diverging from a canon that I enjoyed in the first place. And so I like it when fic kind of plays around in that space. And this fic relies quite a lot on the tension between what we as watchers of the film know happens and what this author is choosing to make happen instead. There's a lot to be said in that narrow space. So yeah, that is the kind of intro overview of my story. I would love to hear what my co-hosts thought before I then come say more things. Yeah, I super enjoyed this fic. I like didn't ever think that this would be something we were discussing. Like, I didn't really know that there was a Knives Out fic <laughs> and certainly didn't really expect, like, this as one of them, but I think it's super fascinating and a really clever example of, like, how fan fiction can function in, like, a gen space. Like, a lot of fan fiction is shippy. We all know this. It's a given fact. 
And I think sometimes moving into the gen space can allow for authors to just do really cool stuff with the source material and like have that be the primary focus. And I think this one was a great example of that, um, just in how it kind of poses this what if question about the whole entire premise. Um, I too have seen Knives Out. I enjoyed it. Um, I've seen it twice, both times kind of with Reed. Um, <laughs> well, one was in real life and one was virtually. Um, I do have some beef with the movie. Um, I have more beef with people who consider it like their comfort movie. There's so much vomiting in that movie. How do you like it? I am so deeply uncomfortable and upset upon those scenes. Um, and they just keep happening. Why? It's my least favorite thing about it. Yeah. I really appreciate that author's choice as well. (laughs) Um, so that's just my, my real quick beef with both the movie and people who are like, Knives Out is my comfort movie. Mmm, it's not mine. <laughs> I think there was a meme the other day that was like, what's your discomfort movie? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this book was really cool. I'm excited to like get into some more of like what it actually does in the meat of it um, and like how it kind of follows through on its premise and its central question. Um, I do think this fic is maybe a little bit gentler to some of the characters than the movie would be uh, in their, like, characterization. Because I do think that's a movie where, like, most people you don't really like. Like, you like Marta. But, I mean, she's got flaws, too. Like, no one's, like, the perfect main character in it. And, like, other than Marta, you kind of dislike everyone. Um, So, I don't know. I think that's also an interesting premise of, like... If you're taking a source material like that, where, like, you as a viewer aren't really supposed to, like, have these characters where you're like, yes. I mean, okay, you know, they put Chris Evans in that sweater and then everyone became obsessed. Like, I that was an intentional choice in the director's part. I get it. But, like, you know, I just think it's an interesting experiment to, like, see what fic authors, like, do with a source content like that as well. Yeah, um, speaking of Chris Evans in the sweater, I do Uh just feel like I have to say um, that time that Brenna and I watched the movie together in the theater, um, every time Chris Evans was on screen in the cable knit sweater, I would like audibly gasp or make some other noise, not on purpose, it was not of my own volition, it was just happening, and at one point Brenna just got fed up and leaned over and hissed at me, pull yourself together, Reed, um, and that was my pinned tweet on my Twitter for like okay, over I wasn't a year. Like fed up. I was like, you were a little fed up. Sick of it. Perhaps I was a tad bit fed up, as you said, but... Overall, I did actually find your reactions really amusing. (laughs) I was just also like, good grief, this is really too on brand. (laughs) My strongest memory of seeing that movie is one, you hissing that to me, and then two, us going to like a sweet green after and Uh you sitting in the booth and that like meme of like the stuffed like white monkey thing, you were like (laughs) making that pose, but you were talking about, I think, Stucky. You were so fascinated. talking about Stucky. So if you want to talk about being on brand, um, just just we each had to take our turn. That's um, true. Anyway, about this fic in particular, though, I do really like this movie. It's really, really fun. Um, and I think it's fun that this fic leaned super heavily into it. Um, kind of like Nick was saying, we discuss a lot on this pod, like, can you read this fic without context? Like, blah, blah, blah. And we always do our best to give you context for a fic, regardless of whether you're going to read it or regardless of whether you're familiar with the source material. But this, like, fully, fully felt like a fic that was, like, 
this is for people who had a lot of fun with the movie, like, want to still play in that space. Um, not that it can't be enjoyable if you didn't watch the movie, but, like, it has a very specific intended audience. Yeah, it'll be um, enjoyable in a way where you're like, huh, sure. Yeah. And if as you go. Like, there's, there's like, no... For me, there's no plot twist in this fic because you know the framing of it, um, which I guess maybe there would be a plot twist if you didn't know the movie and you didn't listen to us speak about it. Anyway, this is to say, um, yeah, I, I think this fic like definitely leaned into its source material, um, which is a material, as I said, that I find enjoyable. I do agree with Brenna. Yeah, it made Ransom a little bit like nicer and like afforded him more than he probably deserved from the movie. But like, what is fandom if not... Um, doing your best to, like, give redemption to a character that either is never going to get it canonically or doesn't deserve it or maybe both. Um, <laughs> I was a, a little bit confused at first because basically, like, the terms of, like, Harlan and Ransom's, like, game is, like, Harlan's, like, I think Marta is a good person. And Ransom is, like, I think our family sucks. And they're, like, okay, like, let's bet on it. And, like, they have this whole, like, charade they go through. And I was confused because I was, like, but... Both of you can be right, though. I was like, it feels like you guys are framing this as like an either or, or you're like on opposite sides of like this bet. But you can both be right. And then that was how the fic turned out was at the end. They were like, oh, I guess it's a draw. Like, I guess Marta is very good. And I guess our family is very bad. Reed was just too good at predicting. Yeah. Your critical thinking skills were too powerful. Well, like I said, when you know the structure of the movie and you, as Brenna said, you like Marta and pretty much everyone else in the movie is a bad person, mm -hmm. it's easy enough to fall into uh, that critical thinking, I guess. I mean, there's certainly other characters that you enjoy, but I don't think the movie sets out to, like, paint really anyone as, like, perfectly good, you know? No. And you were saying... A moment ago, like, is it what he deserves in terms of, like, the characterization? But I think also, like, obviously the whole question of, like, the movie is, like, what do people deserve? You know, are they afforded mm -hmm. that in the end? And I think this kind of makes that even more literal by, like, kind of setting up these, like, terms of the arrangement and, like, Harlan not actually being dead and then being able to come out and be like, well, and now I judge thee, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's interesting. Like... I think even, like, at the end of the movie when you're like, oh, well, I'm glad that it ended up with Marta and not, like, the fucked up family. It's still like, a, does she deserve it? Uh, like, does anyone deserve it? Like, deserve is such a strange, like, ca like mm. classification for this, you know? And we're kind of operating on, like, the deserve that, like, the family has set up, you know? It's like, it's our money, so we deserve it. Or, like, you know, but then it kind of brings in this, like, Okay, but, like, Marta has, like, good morals. She's a good person, so she deserves it. It's such, like, a strange, fucked-up way of looking at things, which I think is exactly what, like, the movie says. And I think this fic just, like, takes that further in a way that I found really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you kind of touched on there, Brenna, was Harlan being alive the whole time in this fic. I do think it makes the fic more lighthearted mm -hmm. uh, than the movie. <laughs> There were parts of it that were so funny. Like, he's he's having his kind of playing God moment almost of, like, I'm going to watch and then I'm going to cast judgment at the end and I'm going to get to make all the decisions and I'm going to observe humanity at its worst um, and then be able to come back and kind of, like, enforce consequences after what happened. It definitely does take that question of 
who deserves what further because Harlan gets to decide it's his money that is being, you know, given out at some point in the future when he does actually die eventually. Uh, so yeah, I think that was interesting. Also, there's just like morbidly funny, but he doesn't, he does actually attend his own funeral. And there's a line about him, like lying very still in the casket. And like, he's just in there. He's just in there <laughs> pretending to be dead. I was like, oh my God. And nobody notices. They had to like keep Marta away. That was like what the line was because she would have noticed if she'd gotten close enough that he was alive. And I'm like, and nobody else did. <laughs> well, what I, oh what I love God. about that line actually is that like, Ransom and Harlan were trying to figure out ways to keep Marta away because they knew that she would figure it out, but they didn't even have to because the family just didn't invite Marta. Like, they lied to her. They were like, oh, like, sorry, like, Harlan said you couldn't come, like, in his whale or whatever, which is blatantly untrue. Um, I also loved in just the, like, sort of, like, Harlan being alive thing um, that he has to, like, I don't know, I guess he's established himself as this, like, kind of zany um like thriller mystery writer and so he like says to ransom he's like listen like if the doctors ask anything i'll just say that i'm like doing research for my next book and it's like and that's gonna work that's fine (laughs) yeah whatever yeah um and his like popping out from behind the curtains moment at the end when he's like haha i'm actually alive and all of you are bad family members um just feels like yeah, I mean, easily. If if the movie had gone a different direction where Harlan was alive the whole time, I fully believe that's how he would have revealed it, by just, like, popping out from behind the curtain. It's so, like, it's so absurd and so fitting. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I think when we talk about, like, not necessarily tone matching, but style matching, like pastiche and things like that, right? It's, it's I was going to say book on book action. It's not really what I'm trying to say. Oh, um, <laughs> boy. Wow. We're talking about the written word being compared to the written word. For example, a pastiche of Hamlet. Well, a pastiche of the text of Hamlet. That was a bad example. A pastiche of Jane Eyre. Then Is you that would write. bad or a good time to revealed that I don't really know what pastiche means. Oh, I just Googled it. So, say that, Brenna. <laughs> I was like, I've I heard that word before. Do I know what it is? Like, no. I just oh, I've probably used it. <laughs> what does Google say? Google says, an artistic work in a style that imitates that of another work, artist, or period. Interesting. Uh, and then the example is, the operetta is a pastiche of 18th century styles. Yeah. That's a very kind of, like, broad. I I feel like I see it used more specifically, too, of, like, oh, this is such a pastiche of, like, Dickens or something, um, where it's not always complimentary, but it can be neutral. I'm using it neutrally here. Um, Anyway, I was just thinking about how, like, when we're reading fic of books, which we will be talking about very soon um, in our next discussion, there is this automatic comparison of style. I also think that in this fic, when we're comparing to the movie, I was very much comparing styles of like dialogue and of description. Um, I think the fact that they're different mediums actually helps me do a lot of work on this fic's behalf, if that makes sense. Like I, I can pull in the settings, I can pull in what I know these characters look like and how they sound. And so maybe some of the style matching is just happening in my brain. Um, but I don't think that makes it less like interesting to think about when I was reading it, at least. Um, I was very much imagining the settings, the color palette, like some of the cinematography, not like actually, because my brain doesn't really do that. But I was just <laughs> thinking about how like some of these things could parallel each other. So I liked that. I thought it was good. And like, like I said, the tone isn't the same, but I think stylistically, they actually are quite similar. Um, and I appreciated that. And it makes sense because it's trying to stick so close to the canon of what we know happens in 
the film. One way I think the style and like the tone and like just the vibe of this fic is quite different from the movie, however, is that the movie is very hinged on plot twists. The movie does not want us to know the entirety of what has happened pretty much until the end. This fic does not care if we are utterly spoiled for what is going to happen. Like at no point while I was reading did I think, oh my gosh, Marta's gonna betray everyone. And the family is going to turn out to be the good guys. Like, no way. (laughs) No chance. Um, But that, like, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the fic at all. I wasn't, like, worried about having spoilers from the movie. So that felt like a different media experience than you get from, like, a movie or a book. Yeah, I think that actually goes really well, too, Nick, with, like, what you were saying about how fic operates when it's coming from different types of source media. Um, Because, like, with a movie like Knives Out, it similarly to like if Knives Out was like a written book has one definitive piece of content and you can watch it in like the two hour something minute time frame that it runs for and it doesn't like extend beyond that in the same way that maybe like a tv show that has many episodes would or like a book series even and like particularly not like in the rpf zone of things <laughs> but like <laughs> I do think it as a movie And, like, as a standalone, currently, I know there's going to be, like, a sequel or maybe there's going to be a sequel. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, yeah. That was in the Um, works, huh? I don't know if I even want (laughs) I don't, but that's me. Okay. Um, I don't know, because I think it's nice as a standalone. Like, I don't know what they would do next. Like, if it was just another, like, if it was a totally different case being investigated also by, like, Daniel Craig's, like, detective character. Like, that would be delightful to me. But, like, that feels like less of a sequel and more just, like, a spinoff or something. Anyway, this is irrelevant but <laughs> presently knives out is a standalone and i think that gives it the author like here the fic author a really interesting chance to like play in that contained space um yeah i don't know and like again what you were saying about like we know how this is gonna end because from the beginning it sets itself up to end the same way like even with the what if like it's not really a what if that the ending is different. It's just a what if if they like it played out differently, um, which I do think is interesting, and I think also like is very true to the sort of like whodunit mystery genre. Like, you know, I feel like with kind of stories like this, there's this feeling like it's always going to end up the same way. We just have to figure out who did it, right? And this is like, oh, it's going to end up the same way in terms of like the money, at least, if not like the death. But the how we got there is different. I think that's just kind of cool, like as a kind of experiment in the genre as well. Well, I think also, like, the one of the differences and something I was thinking about when, Nick, you were saying, like, oh, this fic is not afraid of, like, spoiling you for how it goes, um, is in the author's note at the beginning, the author says, like, they were intrigued by the idea of inching Ransom towards being a better person. And so, like, one of the major changes is not just, I guess, the how we get there of, like, what happens with the money and stuff, but... um, Like, the title, In for a Penny, is at the very end of the movie, Ransom goes in for a penny and then takes a knife to stab Marta. Um, Then it ends up being a prop knife and she's fine. But at the end of this fic, he's like, oh, Marta's a really good person. And maybe if I were a slightly better person, maybe Marta would like me too. And that would be really nice. And so I feel like the biggest, well, not the biggest twist that this author takes, but I feel like, like one of the bigger turns that the author takes from canon is this fundamental changing of Ransom's character, even as Ransom feels, like, fairly true to, like, who he was in the movie, like, especially his dialogue with Hartland at the beginning. But yeah, the, the, the twist at the end there for Ransom's character was, like, 
not trying to murder Marta and just, like, leaning into being a horrible person, but instead, like, oh, oh, Harlan was right. Marta is a good person. Me, me too. I could be, I could be a little bit more like that, maybe? What if, though, mm. it's sort of an unreliable narrator situation and the end where um, Ransom is thinking this is actually kind of comparable to, like, the diner restaurant scene in the movie where he's playing Marta like he wants to be her friend and is a good person. And here it's actually also just a play, but we as a reader also don't know it. I mean, that would be really in the in the style of the movie, I think. To like... Sorry to keep changing fic endings. I, <laughs> I feel like just the authors say... write a thing and then I'm like, what if it was this? <laughs> what if it was well, worse? What if we made the, the characters more miserable? <laughs> at least. Like, no yeah. disrespect to this ending. Like, it totally works. I just had that thought of like, <laughs> yeah. it could be fun if you add it on like five more K where it turns out five he was like deceiving us. <laughs> Maybe that should be a square of the um, fit click bingo is um, hosts wish the or like hosts question whether the ending of a fic should have been worse, meaner, <laughs> more open ended, etc. No, I like worse just in general. <laughs> well, we, we've already done an intro where we took the endings of fics and yeah. made them definitively worse. Yeah, that's but- pretty good. Well, it was something. I feel like mine are like not necessarily worse endings. They're just like worse for the characters. I'm like, yeah, what yeah, if? Yeah. You didn't have anything happy. Oh. Consider. Wow. Revolutionary. Yeah. Well, that was the <laughs> Felix one, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was brutal. Oh, God. Yeah. I kind of had a different take on Ransom's redemption arc um, that was very meta because my thought was like, okay, as the reader, we're going in with all of this knowledge of what happens in Knives Out. What if on kind of like a weird meta spiritual level, Ransom getting caught imparts him with the knowledge of what would happen if he had not been caught? And so we get to watch him kind of experience (laughs) all of it Mm. as it plays out. And like, maybe there's some deja vu. Maybe it's familiar. And so at the very end, when he's like, I should be cool with Marta. Part of it is because some piece of him unconsciously is remembering the humiliation of trying to stab her in the chest and going, "Uh oh, this is a fake knife and I look like a fool right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just my thought. Maybe some some piece of him knows or something is trying to warn him. (laughs) This author is trying to warn him. That's I really am into that. So In for a Penny is a canon divergent fic that examines what if this guy was better, not to be confused with the classic fandom trope, guy you could make worse. Uh, mm. This is this is guy you could improve. <laughs> a, a fixer-upper man. Um, to be fair, he uh, started at what you could consider a fairly unimpressive baseline, um, aside from the fashion, so I respect this author for making some moves um, to, you know, get him to a place where maybe he could earn some respect from the audience. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought this was a super fun fic. I liked that it took a lighthearted cant on a very fun idea. I liked that it looked at how different things could have played out. And this isn't really a kind of fic that I tend to seek out very much of like, hey, what if this one thing was different, but things still played out as you expect them to. But I think partially the shorter length and partially the very kind of wry self-aware tone of it as the author was doing it were the pieces that made it really work for me. So I had a lot of fun reading it, and I had fun discussing it, too. There's a failed murder in this fic, but the next fic has a murder bot. Brenna, 
And and completed murders. It does have completed murders. That's true. Yeah, so my fic for this episode is Anomaly Counter by Yo Pumpkinhead. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, this is a fic for the book series The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Um, this is a sci-fi series that centers around our main character uh, who thinks of itself as Murderbot. It is a sort of like cyborg construct um, made partially of like cloned human genetic matter and partially of tech stuff. Um It is what is kind of known in the world as a security unit or a sec unit. Uh, Most other characters will call it sec unit, Um, but it is a first person narrated series and we are in Murderbot's head and Murderbot calls itself Murderbot. This is because it thinks of itself as a bot programmed for murder. That's kind of what sec units are. Really quick, the general premise of the books, uh, which I do think helps give you context for this fic a little bit, um, is that Murderbot figured out a way to break its own uh, governor module, which is what allowed like humans to give it commands, and then just became in charge of its own destiny. Um, it makes some friends. Uh, it has a hard time making friends because it doesn't really understand human emotions, um, and it learns a lot about how to connect with other humans through television shows. It basically just wants to watch TV. Part of the reason it broke its governor module was, like, not to, like, not do work, but just so it could also watch TV all the time. <laughs> Which, like, I I don't know. I relate to Murderbot on, like, way too many levels. <laughs> um, but I read this book series last year. It was, like, by far my favorite thing I read of the year. And one of my all-time favorite characters is Murderbot. Um, in this fic, our secondary character is Art, um, a.k.a. Asshole Research Transport. Um, Art does have another name, which is Perihelion or Perry. It doesn't really get called that in this fic uh, because the humans that call it by its other name aren't really around. Um, Art is a, like research um vessel spaceship uh with also weapons you don't really need to know why for this fic uh they are friends and i love them both uh this fic is a little cute i think it's a post-canon um adventure with murderbot and art where they come across uh kind of a weird incident in space and investigate and save some people which is very much the murderbot mo um Looking for a fic for this episode, I also went and poked around a little bit in Yuletide and, like, within a few minutes remembered that people wrote fic for Murderbot and was like, well, that's where I'm going. Um, This one actually was written for Yuletide uh, as well, which is a fun coincidence, but um, I don't have a ton of content warnings for this fic. I would just say sort of genre-typical violence. Um, Murderbot does do murder, Um, but it's very much, like, in the kind of sci-fi realm. So if you're familiar with, like, other science fiction, and if you like that kind of thing, you'd be absolutely fine. Yeah, I just, I'm really excited to talk about these characters. I think this fic is, like, kind of as Nick mentioned in uh, their discussion, like, it does a really good job of matching the tone of the books and, like, matching the characters from the books and everything, uh, which I think is super enjoyable as a huge fan of them. So um, I thought this was a really fun little adventure story. Hopefully, maybe can also further my campaign to get my co-hosts to read the Murderbot books. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm excited to get into it more, but first, what did y'all think? Bren, you already know that you succeeded in your campaign to get at least one host to read Murderbot, because first of all, 
as I was reading this fic, I was having so much fun with it that I like stopped to ask you. I was like, is this fic representative of sort of like what the books are like, like in terms of like tone and style and whatever, because I'm enjoying reading this fic so much that I want to read more. Like I want to read the canon, like how similar are they? Um, and then after I was done reading the fic, I went and I put the first two books for Murderbot on my Libby hold. Um, and then yesterday as of recording on Valentine's Day, um, friend of the podcast, he put in the server that Tor.com, which is the, well, Tor is the publisher. Tor released three free ebooks and one of them is the first of the Murderbot series. So I did download that. Um, and I'm very excited. I have a couple other things on my to read list first, but, um. Anyway, yes, I just wanted to say success. You've done it. You pitched a very fun <laughs> fic. I had a great time with it. Um, I know you had been saying to me that you were you'd read a couple of Murderbot fics that you liked, but you really wanted one with Murderbot and art. And I feel like just from this fic alone, I can totally see why. Like they have such a fun dynamic. They were really so delightful to read about. Um we yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier um with Nick's fic and just in general in the pod about sort of first person POVs and how it feels very literary. Um and I really I don't know Murderbot and Canon, but this felt like I guess a pretty good representation of the character. Like it felt literary in reading it. Um like I was like, oh, I can fully see like this world sort of expanded out. Um I also loved so Murderbot and Art consume a lot of television media etc um in this fic they consume a sea drama and i loved how much of that informed their actions in this fic like you had said they really liked watching tv and i just thought that was like fun and funny and then like they end up like making like plans about very high stakes things they're like okay well like in this episode of this show we watch it proves that humans actually believe in xyz and so i think that'll influence (laughs) their feelings and i was like this is incredible um yeah, lots of things I am excited to get into with this fic, but mostly I just wanted to say that I had a great time with it. I also had a lot of fun. Um, Murderbot has been on my list for a while. It is in my jar with all the other books that I'm going to read someday, and I pull a slip out of the jar when I finish a book, so I could read Murder Book. Nope. I could mm-hmm. read Murderbot in, like, two weeks, or I could read Murderbot in two years. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe it'll be sooner. I'm going to come to your apartment and just add more slips of paper into your jar, <laughs> and they're all going to say, Murderbot! Stacking the TBR jar? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Oh, God, yeah. it's It was very fun. This fic was very joyful. I really well, it was joyful, and there was murder. Uh, both of those things. I, like Reed, very much was like, wow, yeah, this feels like it is... A similar vibe to what the book would be like a first person narrative fic with like that strong of a voice and that like strong of choices doesn't feel like it just kind of comes from nowhere it feels like it probably borrows a lot from the canon and from the canon understanding of the characters and from the kind of narrative choices that are made by the original author so i really liked that i went oh i feel like i'm reading a little bit of murderbot right now so you're welcome, Brenna. It's like I've already started. Hmm. Practically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the same idea. Um, yeah, I love a space opera. I liked the kind of big, showy, dramatic, fighty moments. I liked the allusions to the television show and to many other shows. 
and Murderbot's little encyclopedia of media in its head was super fun too, of like, I brought up 12 clips of various instances of humans behaving in this way to prove my point to Art, who did not seem impressed. It's like, <laughs> very, very fun. And a very dry sense of humor throughout the entire story, which I liked a lot. So overall, yeah, it was just a very enjoyable experience. I don't think you need much context to read this. I think what Brenna said is probably enough that, you know, Murderbot is a Murderbot and Art is a ship and they go through space doing their thing together, <laughs> fighting the bad guys or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Are they like crusaders for justice or is it more just like we're moving through doing our thing? Mm, I think they are just kind of doing their own thing. But I do think they're both characters who don't like to see people come to unnecessary harm and will step in. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. But they're not necessarily characters who are seeking it out. Um, most of like the book content are kind of like Murderbot kind of has its own like quests at the beginning that it's trying to fulfill of like stuff that's gone on in its past. And then it kind of makes friends accidentally with these humans and then with art. And then it's like, oh no, I need to protect them. That's basically how how the books go. Classic <laughs> I will family. also mention, um, I perhaps you were fond of art after this fic. Art is not in the first book. Um oh. I'm going to skip later. to the second one. No, but the first oh. one sets up a lot of other side <laughs> characters who are in this fic who are also, oh. like, really important and I love a lot. Okay, so fine. you do need to read it. But anyway. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, like, one of the things I want to talk a little bit about was kind of what Reed was mentioning. And I think Nick mentioned, too, about the, like, media component and how Murderbot and Art both use it. Um, this was something I found utterly delightful in the books. First, because I am someone who watches a lot of TV, like, and I have rarely wanted to consume fictional media, like media in inside yeah. fictional works that doesn't exist. Yeah. As much as I've wanted to consume some of the TV shows in the Murderbot <laughs> Diaries, what I would give to watch the rise and fall of Sanctuary Moon. Anyway. So, like, at first I was just really fond of that and, like, found it very deeply relatable that, like, Murderbot just wanted to be left alone with its shows. But, like, especially in the later books, you really do see how Murderbot uses, like, media not only to kind of map out how humans might respond to certain situations, but also to, like, understand its own feelings sometimes. And I think that that's... I don't know. I loved that choice in the books, and I really liked how it was executed here as well, because there's some references in this fic to media that, like, Martha Wells made up and, like, included in the books. Again, like, The Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon, like, World Hoppers, I think. Like, there's a couple others. But the sea drama, as Reed mentioned, that they're, like, watching in this is entirely made up by the author, and I thought that it was executed so well and was one of the most, like, joyous parts of this fic I think was like when they were quoting it back and forth to each other and like Murderbot was like well sec units aren't given like learning modules on how to say cool shit so I'm just gonna steal <laughs> it from this show yeah well more than just quoting it back and forth to each other like quoting it to other humans that they run into yeah and like like saying shit like Murderbot's like I don't know how to improvise so Murderbot's like like I am the ghost demon king or like whatever it is because it was like I, I the ghosts of ying I think oh yes yeah. yes yes Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Bren. No, 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 you're good. Um, 
yeah, I think I was just going to say, like, I know this fic only kind of gets into it a little bit, but, like, one of the reasons I was excited to bring Murderbot fic for, like, a gen episode was because I really love how this book series focuses so much on, like, friendship and other kind of, like, platonic relationships that are also deeply impactful to these characters um, and, like, shape them hugely throughout the series. And I don't know, like, obviously my secondary kind of corner is my sci-fi corner after my dreary corner. Um, And we all know what I like about science fiction. But one of the things I really like about science fiction that I don't know if I've talked about as much on the pod (laughs) is, like, I love when we get to see what the author defines as humanity through the lens of something that is other than human. And I think Murderbot and Art both present this perfectly as super highly intelligent beings or like, I don't even know exactly what to call them, (laughs) entities um, who are very much not human and don't have any desire to be human, but also interact with humans in this like very profound way and care about them a lot and have to learn how to redefine like their own emotions and those relationships. Um, I don't know. I love that about the books. And I think we can see that here as well. Like, I don't know, there's a contrast between how Murderbot and Art interact with each other and how they interact with like the humans that they're trying to save. Um, I think it just exemplified something I really love about these characters and and this story overall. So sorry, not to kind of hijack this fic to just talk about my (laughs) Murderbot agenda. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think we all kind of saw that coming. So that's okay. Yeah, I really did like like it. So I haven't read a fic with two like distinctly non-human characters in a while. Is that true? I think it's true. Uh, I am inventorying my own brain. I think it's true. I don't have the capacity <laughs> uh, or efficiency of Murderbot to do that, but I think that's okay. Um, yeah, and I do think it definitely has a lot to say about humanity outside of humanity, if that makes sense. Um, I think it. I think it does. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just really fun. Like the conversations they have with each other, the conversations they have with the humans that, uh, basically got themselves captured by raiders and had this whole issue and art intimidates them. And then they realize that they didn't actually deal with all of the enemies. And then there's a big dramatic explosion. Spoilers. I'm just kind of running over this very quickly. I just really liked the kind of overarching like vibe. Is that anything? Is that yeah. what a professional podcast host would say? That I <laughs> you like tell the vibe? me. <laughs> I don't know. Well, one uh, of our official categorization system is vibes. So, like vibes. This mm-hmm. fic isn't vibes, though. No, but I feel like, um, as far as quote unquote professional podcasting goes, we say vibes quite a lot. So I think you're allowed to say it here. <laughs> it's true. I did extensively discuss luge earlier, so <laughs> I can only go up from there. Um, I thought that was a real highlight. Oh, I oh, agree. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, a highlight of comedy and skill, talent, and beauty. Maybe not professionalism. <laughs> okay, just w- wait for next year's um, host awards before you really start heaping all of these accolades onto yourself. Well, I'm earning them. Okay, hold on. Let me do something professional. Here's a quote from the story that I pulled. Uh, um, so speaking of them having discussions with literally like with humans about you know, like, what's going on, but choosing to use, like, cool, charismatic language from shows. Um, I pulled, explain, art ordered. Our patience and our mercy are limited. 
Yes, that line is from the Peony Emperor in episode 9. <laughs> it's an interjection from Murderbot, which made me laugh so much. I just... Murderbot's little parentheticals are so fun here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're actual, like, in parentheses, and sometimes it's just in the general narration. It's a very, like, friendly first person, almost diary-like, uh, very much like, and this happened, and this happened, and oh, by the way, like, this is what art is like. Art didn't say this sarcastically, but it it very much came across sarcastic. Like, it's kind of telling a friend about Murderbot's day, but Murderbot's day also includes, like, killing people extremely efficiently. Like, there's something so charming to me about that mismatch, so. Uh, Nick, actually, going back to what you were saying sort of about enjoying the vibes of this fic, um, I, too, really love a space AU, space opera, etc. And something I just really appreciated about this fic is that I didn't feel lost at any point, despite not knowing the specifics of the technology and the world. Like, I don't know, there are all of these little references to sort of I guess, like, how Murderbot and art, like, function and, like, how they interface with one another, like, on a technological level. And, like, I got enough of a sense of, like, the world that they were inhabiting and sort of the technology that was available to them without feeling lost in a way that just I really appreciated. Like, I felt really, really immersed in the story, not just because I feel like the writing was really good and funny and captivating, but also because, like... It gave me enough of a footing that was like, okay, you're not familiar with the source material, but I'm going to make this accessible to you anyway. And I don't know if that was the author's intention, but I did very much appreciate it. The world building felt like you could get a foothold in it. I feel like some sci-fi is like, I woke up and I touched the flibbly wobbly generator. <laughs> oh no, I realized my Kurlandova levels were critically low. And you're like, what? What is going on here? I have no clue. Like this at least. Like, I am directly adding Tamsin Muir. I was like, there's so many words, there's so many words, there's so many things happening, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, Um, this did not feel like I was lost in space, so to speak. Uh Yeah. Also, there's a bit, you were talking about the parentheticals, Nick, where, like, um, Murderbot's commenting on how Art is using, like, a tractor beam to pull in, like, a section of the spaceship, and, like, Murderbot is, like, there's not actual visible beam, like, the way you might see in, like, media, which was kind of fun for me, because I was like, oh, okay, you, like, you as the author of this fic, but I'm assuming also you as the author of the Murderbot series, are sort of pulling on the baseline expectation or familiarity with readers and then just sort of like going from there and building your own thing, um, which I really liked. Also, because I brought up Tansen Muir, I do feel the need to say um, I read this fic shortly after we did our Gideon the Ninth book club. Um, and I won't go like too much into it for the folks who have not listened to Gideon or who are not at book club. But there were some real, like, Murderbot Harrow parallels happening in this fic. Wow. Um, Specifically when Murderbot said, I hate having emotions generally, and I hate being stared at generally, but both together is exponentially worse. And it's like, (laughs) just big, big Harrow mood here. Well, yeah. yeah. That's a handshake emoji for them, for sure. They do seem otherwise pretty different, though. (laughs) Yeah, I just... Death. They both cause death of things. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Murderbot's out here, though, being like, and I'm sending out my five drones to, like, kill this person, like, the most efficiently possible. And Harrow's like, what if I pulled your bones out from the inside? Yeah. (laughs) No, really, it was just that one line that, like, made me think about Harrow. But I do attribute that a little bit to coming, like, almost straight from Gideon Book Club. The thought of pulling one of those characters out, though, and plopping them in the world of the other one is, like, unendingly funny to me. They would both suffer so much. I'm sorry to them. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, I think like in what you both were kind of discussing about like the narration and like being able to find like a foothold, I think this fic did itself a real favor by sticking with like the first person narration. That's something I don't consume a ton of in media and like definitely gets a bad rap in fan fiction. Um I think specifically for fan fiction where like that's not a part of the source material. Um and I have read some other very good first person fics, but I know I too tend to kind of avoid them. But I think in a fic like this, it does help you like get your foothold pretty fast and like you are just like with this character and I think that that's really like helpful in a world like this um because it's sort of getting filtered through to you and the author isn't like info dumping and then the spaceships like hydro cortex exploded and the blah 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 like we're not getting a ton of like jargon (laughs) like nick was saying i don't know i've seen some tiktoks recently like clowning on sci-fi and fantasy for the like heavy jargon A couple of which were, like, very perfect and funny. So shout out to those creators. I don't remember their names. But I do think this does a really good job of, like, combating that for the reader if you aren't familiar with the Murderbot world. Um, And, like, I don't know. I just think Murderbot's such an enjoyable character to, like, be with in, like, fiction um, and in stories. So I don't know. I just really liked being back with Murderbot. Are the books in first person or not? Yeah, they are. Okay, they are. I was just saying, like, I think it was smart of this author to, like, continue that. And I think it was, like, a big reason why it was accessible here. I think if it had been pulled out to, like, third person or if you had put it in first person from, like, art or something, which, like, isn't something we get in the books, um, art has too much processing capacity. I think that would be really, really confusing. I don't even know that art could narrate to humans the way that, like, Murderbot does. Fair. I feel like that's also one of those things where, like, if you're writing a character that's, like, really smart or, like, a specialist in something, like, you as the author have to, if not know those things, you have to, like, fake a passing knowledge of it. And so it's, like, putting yourself in Arts POV feels like maybe setting yourself up for failure there. I feel like Arts yeah. POV would just be, like, al- pages of algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've read a fic on the pod where someone had, like, binary code and stuff. So I feel like there, that's true. there that's is a true. space in fan fiction for someone to really play with some, like, wild media-esque fic from an art POV, but um, it would require a lot of effort, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Ficklets yeah. who know advanced calculus. <laughs> Here is a challenge for you. Engineering ficklets. <laughs> Meanwhile, when we play D&D, I have to add 18 plus 5 on my calculator app on my phone because I can't do it okay. fast enough in my head. Yep. <laughs> Me, like, just adding small numbers together on my calculator. When I have to roll for damage and it's multiple, like... I don't know, D6s or whatever, and I'm like, five plus four plus two plus one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Art wouldn't have that problem. No. Um, One other thing I wanted to mention really quick about this fic, because I feel like I've talked a lot about, like, the world of both the books and this fic, but, like, getting to this fic, like, in specific, one thing I thought it did so well, and, like, I think it's really hard to do, and I really admired, is... It contained a full and enjoyable and intriguing story, plot-heavy story within 9K. Like, that's really hard to do. And I think this author executed that so well. I was really compelled. I was really curious to watch how it played out. And I thought the pacing was good. I liked what we got to see of, like, these OCs, even though they aren't in it very much. But, like, 
Like, their writing felt very mature in that way to me. I think that that's something that, like, newer writers can struggle with. Like, I would struggle with it for sure to, like, kind of plot something that's very, like, action-packed and has, like, these twists and turns and, like, Murderbot keeps having these realizations of, like, what's going on and how it's a little bit different than, like, what it kind of thought was happening. Like, it keeps having to reevaluate the situation. And I think the way that that plays out was really satisfying to read. At the end, I didn't find myself having, like, too many questions or feeling like things weren't wrapped up well. It was just, like, I don't know, it was kind of a perfect, like, little mini-sode of Murderbot. And... I think a big part of that was like the plot and the pacing and how well like the little mystery that they kind of have to investigate like this crisis situation that's kind of mysterious. Like how well that was executed. I don't know. I just wanted to give big props to this author for that because I think it's something that's really difficult to do and um, I thought was really engaging here. I agree. It's so hard. It's so difficult. There's so much that you have to accomplish and you have to do it all within a canon that does have quite a lot of like little intricacies around Mm -hmm. communication and around character like murderbot is such a specific character uh you have to write the plot in a way that is going to make sense through its eyes and also that can still highlight its personality and its relationship with art like there were so many little moving pieces here it was really good well i appreciate my co-hosts going on this interplanetary journey with me and also Murderbot and also art um, characters who I really enjoy. Uh, I thought this fic was a perfect introduction to this series if like you're curious about it maybe. I think the tone fits really well. Again, I thought the plot pacing everything was wonderfully done. It's a great little action-packed 9k. Um, Super enjoyable too if you just like sci-fi and like kind of space opera vibes. so yeah, I really love this one. I'm so happy I got to bring it for this episode too because uh, it's there's sort of one of my favorite like platonic friendships in a book I've read for a long time and I was happy to see them exemplified in such a way here. Um, yeah. In space, no one can hear you scream. In the basement of the house that Heiju and the other girls are training in, uh, no one can hear her scream there either, probably. Thank you, Brenna, for that not ominous transition at all. Your fic is fucking ominous. I don't know what to well, say. It has <laughs> it has scary vibes. Like <laughs> No, it definitely does have scary vibes. Um, my fic is Plum by Unfavored Idol. Um, it is for the K-pop girl group Luna. Um, and as I mentioned in the intro, it primarily centers Olivia Hye. In this fic, she goes by Heiju. Um, there are some other Luna members in there as well. Um As we just said, this fic is kind of ominous. Um, When I first read it, I don't don't know anything about Luna, to be honest, and I still know basically nothing about Luna. Um, When I first read it, I did not realize it pulls very, very heavily from a few different music videos, but specifically one that is like Love Forever. Love Forever, I guess, actually. Um, (laughs) I'm going to run through the plot of this fic, and as I do, I will give the content warnings. Um... I guess the only one that I feel like I should bring up at the front is just none of this is like on screen or like explicit, but you get the vibe that uh, Heiju and the three other girls that she sort of like grew up with in this like mansion house thing did not have the best upbringing. Um, So that sort of like colors the whole tone of the fic. So basically, there's a subunit of Luna called YYXY, um, which stands for Youth Youth by Young. Um... 
which consists of the members um, Heju, Young, Jiwoo, and Chewon. Um, I'm using their, not their stage names here because the fic does not use any stage names, so I feel like that's easiest to follow along. Um, in the music video and also in this fic, they are in this big mansion place where they spend a lot of time uh, training, like practicing they dance, um, all for an evaluator. Um, it's like very isolated. It's referred to as Eden. Um, and at the beginning of the fic and the beginning of the music video, the three girls who are not Heiju leave, um, which is forbidden. You are not allowed to leave Eden. And they leave and Heiju's watching them and she's like, she wants to go with them. She wants them to ask her to go with them. She wants to be brave enough to follow them, but she's stuck. Um, and so she watches them leave and she is sort of like going around this mansion alone. She performs for the evaluator alone and she keeps seeing sort of the ghost of Soo Young, like around, like in the peripheral of her vision. Um, and eventually, uh, decides to venture into the basement, which is kind of a forbidden place. Um, and the basement is a labyrinth, um, very Greek myth. <laughs> um, and in there, basically, Heiju is hoping to find a way to break free, answers, strength within herself, a lot of different things. She ends up encountering another character who is Jinsoul. Um, she eats a forbidden fruit and it sort of sets her into this unreality where she's stuck in a loop of seeing herself in her room come in and leave and come in and leave. Um, and then the other content warning is that to break this loop, she sets the room and herself on fire. Um, but both versions of herself are cool with that. They want to end this cycle. Um, this is a really quick and bare-bones summary. Um, when I went into this fic, as I said, I really don't know anything about Luna. I hadn't seen, like, a single music video. I went in, I coasted on vibes alone. I was really pulled in by what the author was doing. Um, and then I decided that maybe it'd be good to have a little bit of context. Um, I had found this fic because, um, friend of the pod K80 had recommended it in our rec exchange, and I was just going through the entire rec exchange doc looking for gen fic. Um... Nowhere in the author's note or like anywhere, this is one fic out of a series, nowhere does it indicate which music videos this fic is based on. So I was like, hello, K80, SOS, a lifeline, please. Um, and she pointed me to, as I said, Love Forever and Egoist. Um, and that really, really helped solidify a lot of things in this fic for me. A lot of this fic is pulled from that. And I gather maybe some other little references here and there. Um... The last thing I want to say in my little, I guess, context spiel is that I did a very, very, very brief look at the Lunaverse. Um, if you remember from me talking about women's hockey in the intro, Luna has 12 members, but the four members of this fic, as I said, are a subunit, YYXY. Um, their concept is about telling the story of Adam and Eve. Um, they each have a different, like, fruit that they eat that represents their sort of, like, break and outcast from, like, the rest of Luna and, like, the Lunaverse. Um, and they also, uh, they have an emotion assigned to them. So I'm pulling this from the Luna, lunatheworld.fandom.com. Thank you, Lunaverse Wiki. Um, <laughs> Heiju is anger, which I think also makes a lot of sense for this fic. Um, so as I said, when I went into my first read of this fic, I didn't know anything. I fully think you can read it without knowing anything, but, um... Watching the music videos and then getting that little extra context before I did a reread definitely helped some stuff hit harder. And I was very impressed with the author bringing in all of these elements of the Luniverse. Um, you know that I love references to, like, other stories and mythologies and things. And this fic is ripe with them. This fic has just some whack and wild things going on. And I kept being surprised. 
Unlike Nick's fic, where you know sort of exactly where the fic is going to take you at no point, at no point did I know where this fic was going, um, but I was very much along for the ride. So that was my reading experience, and I would love to hear about both of your reading experiences. Yeah. Wow. There was a lot happening here. Um, I mm-hmm. admit, I, I've read this twice now. I've watched the videos. I'm still not 100% sure of everything that happens in this story. Um, like Reed said, there are a lot of vibes. Um, I had kind of a hard time following the names. I don't know Luna. Um, as we have said before, this podcast sometimes is us busting into like somebody else's house <laughs> and being like, I don't know what's happening. And they're like, yeah, this isn't for you anyway. So I respect <laughs> that. And I understand. Um, I did have a lot of fun watching Love for Eva featuring Grimes, I guess. The featuring Grimes really surprised yeah, me. Yeah, it, su- it surprised me a lot as well. The- is it just the beginning? I think, great. The I don't know. Finally introducing Luna. Like, that's Grimes. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know. It just surprised me. I pulled a couple of lyrics that I will read now to give the ficlets a sense of the song. Uh, one of them that I feel like ties in well with the fic is, actually, I'm not brave. I don't have what it takes to speak out. Uh, and then the other one that I don't think fits the fic as well is, even my kidney hurts. <laughs> Um, well, <laughs> which just made me laugh. It comes up a couple times. Um, so thank you to Luna for that. Um, yeah, I think this fic does its best work in ambiance. It is so dark. It is so kind of unsettling in ways that it is very intentionally unsettling. It is kind of sad. There is a bitterness that really ties in with Hyeju's like company mandated motion of anger. <laughs> um, that it, it, there is hope too but there's hope that is very colored by the fact that there was not hope for a very long time and i like the complexity of the emotion there i think that really worked for me there are a lot of things here that worked the, the ghosts of the girls the um had finally hitting a breaking point had confronting herself i'm sure we'll talk about that scene that was one of my favorites um yeah and just all of the different pieces that come together the setting the characters the unsettling pieces that are predominantly pulled from the music videos. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. So I think there's a lot to discuss, um, but also just a lot of stuff that I feel like I don't even have words for after reading that is just like sitting inside of my body. Yeah, I had a good, if completely whack time with this fic. <laughs> I know nothing about Luna. Um, I've seen a couple of their more recent music videos, which did not help me here. Um, I had never seen Love forever previously i did watch it last night um and it did help me understand a little bit more about the setting of this fic and everything i'd only ever heard again the little grimes intro which i didn't (laughs) know was from this song i just like heard it other places i was ready to just be along for the ride here and i think that that's what this fic needed from me it was very much just like buckle your seatbelt, keep your arms and legs inside the moving vehicle at all times because i did not know what was happening um (laughs) I do think you might enjoy this fic the most if you do have a little bit of knowledge, at least about who the members are, Um, because I did find myself having a hard time getting my footing in that regard. Like, I was very much willing to just go along with it. I think this is a fic that does presume some level of knowledge, if not, like, a deep dive into, like, the mythos and storyline of, like, XX, no, YYXY or, like, the Lunaverse, um... I imagine that it was written with the intention of, like, Luna fans reading it. Um, So I do think this is one where, like, a little bit of familiarity, I think, would help. Obviously, Reed picked it without knowing 
Luna, so maybe you'll be more like Reed. But um, <laughs> I think for me, I would have I would have done well with like at least being able to kind of picture the memories in my head. And like this is my own fault, but like I kind of just supplemented what I didn't know with like other K-pop vibes. I think the kind of like mysterious house, many rooms. Are members here? Are members in another member's imagination? Are they ghosts? Are they whatever? Happens in a bunch of different, like, groups music videos and, like, girl group music videos. So I kind of, like, supplemented in other music videos I'd seen, which, like, probably wasn't helpful here. I mean, it was helpful in some ways because it kind of, I do best with being able to picture things in my brain. But, like, I would have liked to use the actual Luna members when I first read this, I think. <laughs> um, that all being said, I really did like, like, this fic had so many twists. And I really didn't know where it was going at any point in time, which I thought was really fascinating. I think definitely one of my favorite scenes is after Heiju eats the fruit and is kind of having this disconnect where, like, she keeps seeing herself and we're not really sure if it's, like, is it induced by, I mean, it is like kind of, we have to imagine it's induced by the fruit, but like, we don't really know what this other her is, you know? And we don't really know like what the versions of the other girls that she's been seeing are. Like, are they ghosts? Are they in her mind? Like, you know, I think there's a lot of like questions about kind of the status of like the other beings in this fic. Um, but yeah, I really like the scene where she kind of keeps seeing herself and has to get to this point of, like, breaking it. Um, so I definitely want to get into that more. Uh, not to be on my bullshit, but this definitely reminded me of Harrow in, like, so many ways, <laughs> um, as long as we're on that topic. Originally, our intro was going to be, like, doing a Venn diagram of these three fics, and I was just going to find a way to make it Harrow. Like, not even Locked Tomb, just, like, Harrow. <laughs> <laughs> Easily done, I um, think. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm excited to get more into it. Yeah, I do just want to say two things. One is um I feel weirdly like I stole Nick's energy reading this fic. Um if you've listened to a number of episodes in the pod, you might be familiar that like my MO is usually like stopping in the middle of a fic to Google things I don't know. Like I I can go with the flow, but, like, I so much rather prefer knowing what the hell is going on, or at least having, like, a little bit of knowledge. Um, And if it seems like something I can fairly easily just, like, Google and find out, I will usually do that. This time I was like, whatever. I don't know a single thing about Luna. I've never seen a music video. What's happening here? I don't know. But the vibes are just so much in a way that I'm into. You stole Um, my energy. I did. And I'm also... Well, okay, you can have it back once we're done recording. Well, I guess you can have it back now. I've, I've already read the fic twice, so I've, I've got as much footing as I'm going to have. Um, <laughs> but the other thing I was thinking about, actually, was the uh, Yuletide fic I brought I don't know, a little while ago that was the um, IKEA Start the Car commercial, where, once again, all three of us had the experience of being like, at no point did I know where this fic was going. But that one was like kind of like funny whack absurd. This one, as we have said, is like, intentionally like dark um I wasn't like scared at any point and not like dark like in a gory way or anything but like it is fully as Nick said meant to be unsettling I think it achieves that very well and I thought it was funny watching the like love forever music video where the the overall setting and like the theme that is present in this fic is definitely there but the song itself is like kind of a bop it's like I don't know if the lyrics are as cheerful. I guess we're talking about kidneys hurting, but like... They're pretty cheerful. It's like, I have a crush on you, but I can't tell you, but I love you forever. I wish I was braver and I could tell you about my crush. Oh, my The kidneys. song was so not... 
the song did not sound like what I expected it to sound like based on yeah. reading this fic. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I want to jump into just one of the parts that I liked the most, which will then feed back into what Brenna was saying um, about the sort of when there are so many heijus, Um, which is, so as I mentioned, um, basically to break out of Eden, um, the ghost, question mark, question mark, of Young tells Heiju that she needs to go into the basement. And in the basement is this labyrinth. And she's got, like, a ball of string and chalk to mark her way, so it's very, like, Ariadne in the labyrinth, etc. Um, and I believe in K80's comment on the fic, like, she comments, too, about how, like, when you set up that parallel, like, in in the myth of Ariadne, the, the, the bad thing in the labyrinth is the Minotaur. And here, like, obviously there's no Minotaur, but you know it's sinister. Like, you know it's bad. Like, there's going to be something that she finds in here and it's it's not going to go well. Um, and nothing, like, attacks her in the labyrinth, but it's, like, this entire time she has this creeping sense of dread. Um, and then she comes across Jinsoul and she's like, are you real? Are you a ghost? And Jinsoul is like, I'm alive. Like, there's a real me that's out there who's happy and free of Eden. This is the memory of the me that lived in this place. So if you want to call that a ghost, sure. Um, and Jinsoul offers her a cherry and she's like, if you eat the cherry, it's basically like you get the knowledge, you get to break free. Um, and finally, after a little bit of back and forth and Jinsoul kind of being like, if you ever want anything more from your life, you're going to have to take this for yourself. Um, Heiju says, give me a cherry. And Jinsoul tips over the can in her hand and out comes a single fresh, clean plum. Your cherry, Jinsoul told her. It's different for everyone. Heiju refused to hesitate any longer. She lifted the plum, the cherry, the apple to her mouth and took a bite. And I was like, yes. Yes, like, oh, something about it is so good. And now I guess knowing that, like, the blood plum is, like, Heiju's assigned forbidden fruit um, is very fun. But I love the, like, yeah, the shifting, like, unreality of it. And the, like, obviously, like, the apple and Eve and knowledge and whatever, but just the sort of... Olivia here. Well, that's something you said. <laughs> it is something you said that <laughs> is now in our ahead. podcast forever. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, It just felt so striking to me like and it felt so emblematic of this fix sort of taking something you think you know and twisting it a little bit like every time like Olivia like well every time Heiju thinks she knows like where her foot is gonna land it's like she misses a step and I felt like that way as a reader but not in a way that frustrated me and this comes up again later and I'll, I'll get more into it later like specifically the apple thing but that scene just worked so so well um and then she takes a bite uh, of the plum and then it hits Brenna's scene so I'll, Brenna I'll let you get into it but the scene you were saying that you really loved where she's sort of in this cycle oh sure can I say something really clownish to both of you really quick oh sure um I did you're gonna both laugh at this I did not know that the person in like the like minotaur maze myth was named ariadne like i didn't know that that's that was her name and this has now informed the movie inception so are you just putting together inception (laughs) yeah oh bestie oh bestie i how would i know i wasn't a myth girl it's a pretty common yeah i know but i feel like that one's kind of famous (laughs) like the minotaur Uh, like i don't know i didn't know her like name Ariadne gives Theseus a ball of string. Yes, that is why Ariadne is named as such in the movie Inception and why she is the one who builds the mazes, etc. I knew you were going to laugh at me, but whatever. I wasn't, like, reading Greek myths as a child. Like, I wasn't a Percy Jackson kid. Like, 
<laughs> that wasn't the vibe. Um, yes, regarding our podcast, um, yeah, so as Reed kind of led into, one of the scenes I really enjoyed in this fic um, was sort of after Hyeju eats the fruit and starts to have these visions of another her that is there with her and I really loved these scenes. I thought they were really impactful um, and like I don't know I really like the juxtaposition between like how cre- kind of creepy it is to like have another her there and like how on the edge of horror it is but also like it's the only thing that she's felt comforted by in like a really long time and she's like desperate to kind of hold on to this warmth of this other her I liked how mixed up her relationship with this other her was I thought that was really cool and like an interesting way to to kind of pull out a character's feelings about themselves and like literalize it um I really like that. And I also like the fact that, like, in this Jen fic, it's not like these other the other girls help her set up for this scene. But it has to be like her that saves herself, essentially. And like, I like that it came down to that. I'd like that it didn't come down to like one of the other like kind of ghost girls being the one who like pulls Hyeju out of this and like convinces her to take the next step. I like that it had to be her in the end. Um and I don't know, I just found, like, the literalization of the other her really compelling, um, especially because of that kind of, like, wanting it to go away because it's, like, creepy that there's another you, but also, like, wanting to hold it close because it's the only thing that's, like, been kind and gentle and comforting to you in a, in a really long time. I thought that was, like, just a really cool character decision that I didn't kind of see coming from this fic. Um, I feel like previously... We got a lot of, like, Keiju's actions, but not, like, a ton of her emotions. And so I feel like in these scenes where it, like, becomes kind of all emotion-based, um, I don't know, worked really well for me. Again, yeah, it did make me think of Harrow. So what? Um, I won't talk about it, but uh, you it could. did. No, just, like, I don't know. That's another one where there's kind of, like, other bodies. <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> no, no. And just like, I don't know, I guess like Harrow's own mental struggle with herself and like mm, mm-hmm, her mm-hmm, perception mm-hmm. of herself. Is it real? Is it not real? Like she has these missing pieces kind of like, but um, yeah, I just thought that was a really cool choice and like really stuck out to me as like kind of the most impactful part of this fic. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this f- scene was definitely like the emotional center of this fic. I feel like with Hyeju, one thing I found interesting about her arc, and I really liked it, was that she moves from feeling like she is a victim and like seeing herself as a victim. She was abandoned. She was hurt. She was left behind. She can't do anything about it. She wants to stay because it's almost proving people right to have left her behind, and it allows her to stay in that place of victimization. And then when she finally decides to take this step, she is engaging with herself and it feels different because the person that she is talking to is real and is there even if it's just her as opposed to kind of these one-sided conversations that she's having uh one of my favorite lines in the fic is really early on um when Hyeju is in the house and she's seeing kind of these ghosts of the other girls or images of them or kind of pieces of them but Soo Young didn't leave her alone Hyeju wanted to tell her to make up her mind already 
Either she was invested in Hyeju and wanted to give her the same attention and opportunity she gave the others, or she was the person who had left her behind, all alone. She couldn't be both. And that's such a brilliant insight into Hyeju. She's talking about Suyoung, but she's really talking about herself, right? Am I the person that was left behind and is pathetic and can't do anything? Or am I the person who is worthy of that same love and attention and care? And can I be the person to give that to myself? Because there is nobody else here who's going to give that to me. So I just really love the way that her arc played out in that way. Um, and kind of like we were saying, we don't get a ton of her internal emotional world before that scene with herself because she's projecting it all over the place onto other people. <laughs> and so finally it comes together and we see this cohesion of her identity and then we see her burn it down (laughs) like there is like oh there's so much there there's so I have so many thoughts and like knowing that it's also a scene in the music video so the author had to fold it in like there's such a meta level too of like from like a different music video not from love forever which is the one that informs most of this fic sure and it's also like you give Hyeju herself you give Hyeju this other version of herself knowing as the author and kind of knowing as like the greater machinations of the universe that you have to burn this girl because of the music video does there's something so interesting about that to me really quick because i mentioned it earlier i just want to bring up again that i said like oh the apple plum cherry thing that she eats in the labyrinth like comes back again later um once heiju breaks free she is like climbing up a very tall building um she's like going up and up and up an endless staircase and she encounters another person who i think might be a version of jin soul but i'm not sure um and this other person is this other girl is is twisting an apple in her hands and as i read the line i was like oh i see like it's like it's like the forbidden fruit from the labyrinth from the basement like everything's connected blah 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 and then literally the next line in the fic is that character going like it's easy to see, like, if you see something, it's easy to assume that it means the same thing, like, over and over again. But, like, it doesn't always, like, a symbol does not always gotcha. mean the same thing in every context. And I was like, okay. like <laughs> That's funny. Um, and I also just wanted to say, uh, <laughs> because earlier we were talking about how we just love to read fix and go, well, what if this ending was more miserable? Oh, no. <laughs> um, I don't. This is, not, this is not me making this ending more miserable, but I think having a reading of it that I I think the author, if they didn't intend, would be fine with, um, where Heiju's on a rooftop building and she encounters another member of Luna um, and the girl's like, oh, I've been waiting for you. And Heiju's like, I'm right here. Like, I'll always be right here. And it's, I think, supposed to be a little bit empowering, like a little bit like, oh, like Heiju was left by all these people, but now she's found someone else and she's going to stick with her. But specifically ending on the line, I'll always be right here feels just so reminiscent yeah of this like cycle like it's Mm -hmm. it's like oh once Mm -hmm. again are you gonna get stuck in a loop like I think I I think it is a fair reading of the ending to say it can be both like maybe Kiju has broken out and like achieved something new and like she's going to find like people and stability and whatever or maybe she's just now trapped in like a bigger machination of an endless cycle of whatever dimension they're in um which, if so, good luck, girl. You got this. Well, she tried pretty hard, and I guess she didn't get out. So I don't know that she got it, well, actually. There's a 20K sequel that we haven't read yet. so we Oh, maybe... that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Maybe we'll learn more. She broke one cycle. Maybe she has to break another. That's I don't fair. Know. That's fair. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, ficlets and co-hosts alike, for sticking with me and this fic on the wild ride it took us all on. Um, truly just ominous vibes, dark imagery, plot twists, just, just twists. 
um, everywhere you look, um, a very different reading experience, but uh, as I've said a couple of times, one that I very much enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. We hope you liked it more than most other things you've ever listened to in your life. Uh, we hope also that you enjoyed our gen theme. It was a lot of fun, and I always like looking at genfic. If you want more of Fit Click, there are many ways that you can reach us. If you're, you know, a social media user, then you can find us online at Twitter at FitClick, we're at Tumblr at FitClick, and you can also send us an email if you would like to communicate long form at FitClickPod at gmail.com. If FitClick indeed is one of the things that you've enjoyed listening to most, um, and you are just desperate to have more of it in your life, uh, you can join our Discord server. Um, the link to that is also on our Twitter profile. And also, if you feel so inclined, you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, or just like anywhere else on the internet if you want to write like a blog post, a tweet, make a YouTube video, whatever you want to do. Um, we definitely grow most by word of mouth. So we really appreciate uh, you spreading the word if you do enjoy it or sharing it with a friend who you think might enjoy it. That helps us immensely um, find new people for our community. If you felt so inspired by our intro that you're like, wow, I'm going to gear up for the next Olympics. I'm going to be in it. Um, consider that while you're on TV, you could rep FitClick by having some of our merch. You could be wearing a shirt. I think we have shirts. You could have a tote bag. We have a very cute little tote bag. Um, we have some very, very cute merch that I think deserves to be shown in official Olympics footage, but also just maybe you should just be in the corner of your room if it brings you uh, any joy. And you can find that merch on our Redbubble, and the link to our Redbubble is on our Twitter. Our next episode will be back to just three regular fic choices. Um, that episode will be coming out on March 11th. Nick, what is the fic that you're bringing? The fic that I'm bringing for next episode is called The King and M'Baku by Titarik. It is a fic for the movie Black Panther, and the pairing is M'Baku T'Challa. Brenna, what are you bringing for next episode? Yes, hello, it's me, Brenna. Uh, no, hi everyone, it's Editing Reed here. Um, Brenna had a slight technical issue with the end of her audio, so I am here to tell you that Brenna's pick is Where They Hang the Lights by Misandry Witch. It is for the fandom Roswell, New Mexico, and it is for the pairing Michael Alex. Um, me from the past, what's your pick? I am bringing a fic that is a little bit different. We've done a version of something like this once before in the pod. It is a choose your own adventure. Um, the last one we did was hosted on AO3. This one is not, although it has a little snip of, snippet of it on AO3, which is how I found it. Um, it is called uh, one word taco quest colon cycle 42 by anonymous alchemist. Um, and if you are familiar with the adventure zone balance, you might have recognized taco. Um, it is a choose your own adventure in which you are in the stolen century um, attempting to get the light of creation. You're playing out a cycle. Um, it was super, super fun, and I am excited to see what routes my co-hosts take. I think it's really fitting, actually, that I'm bringing the a fic that takes place in Stolen Century because in there they are stuck in a loop over and over and over again. Um, in my fic, obviously, uh, Heiju is stuck in a loop over and over again, and I, too, will be stuck in a loop over and over again of recording this podcast every two weeks, but at least that one brings me joy. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> That's good. Wow.
Hey, Ficklets, I'm late to the luge. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Well, Ficklets, I think I've done what I can here on Earth, so uh, next time you hear from me, maybe I'll be on a spaceship venturing out into the stars. Bye. Bye.